Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello and goodbye, I think. This is it. This is so sad. This is the end of Succession Season 2. I don't think it's goodbye for the entire Succession Slate Money recap podcast, but this is the end of the season. Now is when you go back and start re-watching the whole thing from the beginning of Season 1, I guess. Definitely. And re-listen to the podcast, obviously, as well. But let me... um. Introduce ourselves. I am Felix Salmon of Axios. Emily Peck is here from HuffPost. Hello. And because what we like to do in true succession style is circle back and recapitulate attempts by Kendall to stab his father, we are recapitulating and circling back and bringing back the one and only Edley of the New York Times. Hello. Um, who told us everything he knew on episode one. The primer. I gave. Uh, I offered my version of a primer. And so therefore you're just going to sit here and say, I have gonna... nothing more to add. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my take. It's, it's full and complete and in-depth. No, so, there's so, no, so much to talk about. There will goodness. be so much to talk about because obviously, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my that God. Ending, that ending. That I have ending. to say, I feel like I saw it coming a little. A little bit. I a got that bit. feeling this week that it was going to be Logan as the blood sacrifice. Felix just he re- replied to my tweet speculating okay, on we're, this. We're gonna have to by saying just no. We're gonna, we're gonna have to get into <laughs> a semantic something about this one. Yeah, we, we okay. need to get a into lot this to well, We are going to get into this, but before we do, we need to in, we need <laughs> to get very excited about the fact that Tamara Adler is here. Tamara, yes. hello, hello. Um, this is your opportunity to plug your podcast. I have a podcast coming out really soon. It's at the beginning of November. November 1st. And it's about food. It's about food, but even better, it's about everything you think about food and the fact that it isn't true. Okay, so let me, uh, let me tell you something. What's it called? I, what's, the, what's the title of your podcast? It's called Food Actually. Where will, okay. it be? Where will uh, we be able to uh, And then it? it gets complicated because it's on Luminary. It's on Luminary, but so many other great shows are on Luminary Okay, that it is worth subscribing. And you actually don't even need to decide now because after you listen to the first episode of Food Actually for free, you're going to be hooked. You're going to be hooked. So the thing I believe about food, I believe two things about food. I believe, number one, 
that one shouldn't order a full bottle of Burgundy for breakfast. Mm. And number two, that one shouldn't eat someone else's chicken. How about number three? <laughs> Thank you for the is, chicken. Yeah, that was a that was obviously a chicken wing, which is a weird <laughs> thing. It was. Wow, there was that a bone was, in the middle of it. Right. That was yeah. a chicken wing. It was the part so a chicken wing is broken up into two pieces. There's the drumette. <laughs> And this then, is why Tamara needs to be on Slate Money for session. This is really, I, I, can't I didn't get see this coming this, yeah. when I thought about this there's conversation. There's the drumette, <laughs> which is the part that's closest to the chicken's body. And then there's the other part, which has two bones. That was obviously a drumette, which means that Logan's plate of food, which was delivered by a, a server with Wearing gloves, gloves on. on. <laughs> what? Gloves. Yeah. What? Yep. There was a drumette on the side of the plate. There are a lot of ways to read that. So tell me how to read that because, like, while we are were all obsessing about the, you know, obvious, you know, symbolism of the yacht, you are looking at the obvious symbolism of the drumette. It reminded me actually a little bit of Steve Schwartzman's crab claws. (laughs) Steve Schwartzman um, famously would would order king crab claws without the rest of the king crab because the rest of the king crab it gets a bit um, fiddly to get the meat out so he's like just give me the claw because that's where that's the what big, we all want anyway that's right? what we all want enemy anyway ignore the rest of the king crab like obviously logan just loves that one piece of the chicken the drumette so he can yeah. do, do basically exactly what tom did and so he this is what he gets for lunch is uh, it looked like a Caesar salad, something like that, mm-hmm. with with a little drumette on the side. Yeah, or maybe a cup, a few drumettes. So maybe when he asks for it, he says, uh, you know, I'll have the thing with the chicken. And then they, they know to just give him the lunch, but with a, a kind of little pile of drumettes on the side. That's just his idiosyncratic And maybe order. that's all he really eats anyway. He might right? just yeah. eat the chicken. It, it could well be like a, a Warren Buffett thing where, you know, you, you're a billionaire, but ultimately you have relatively low-brow mm-hmm. taste in yeah. food. Um, we just know that because of the, the pizza incident at Correct. the Summer Palace. We know yeah. that he has very low-brow taste. Right. And he kind of uses it as a tool. I mean, these know? people don't actually care about food in any real way, I, I, I don't think, as I've watched episode after episode. I mean, Connor hyper-decants. He hyper-decants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how who's, can you not hyper-decant, right? They drink, for sure, and they care about drinking and their Japanese whiskey, etc., but they do not care about food. They throw out shrimp and steak and order pizza, and then they hardly eat at, at every time, you know, they have to sit down and pummel each other. There's a lot of theater, right, yeah. and how they live as rich people. Yes. Right, I think that's sort of the idea that... Really, they just want the pizza and the cocaine, and then <laughs> that's it. Maybe burgundy for breakfast, but everything else, all the sort of the highfalutin aspect of it, is just, it's just, they're playing the part. I have to say, I was slightly disappointed when you actually did see, um, you didn't see the burgundy arrive, but you did see Connor with his wine glass in front of him in that, like, you know, amazing breakfast scene. And I was mildly disappointed, but also it, just reinforced everything I knew about Connor to see that the burgundy was red. I feel like if you're going to if you're going to order burgundy for breakfast, the the crew on the yacht should just understand that the right kind of burgundy yeah. to have for breakfast is obviously white burgundy, yes. which in any case is a superior drink to red burgundy. But that's <laughs> that's an entire we're going deep on this. We're going deep on the burgundy because frankly, what else was there to talk about in this episode? Almost nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a disappointing finale. My goodness. So we're just going to have to talk about chicken drumsticks. Chicken drumsticks, burgundy for breakfast, red, not white, though it should have been white. I agree with you. If he he had any taste, which he doesn't. So this whole season has been building us to this moment of Kendall 
taking the power back and just knifing his father in that last scene, right? I mean, he's broken down at the beginning. Yep. He's a robot. Yep. I looked at the plans and my dad's plan was better. better. He was totally programmed. So we think in the season finale, he's going to be totally programmed too. Alas, no. He has that amazing butt. You know, he says they wanted me to, you know, come out here and take the blame. But and Carolina is like uh, the look of sheer panic in her. And she's oh, on the phone going, fuck, fuck, fuck. fuck, fuck. fuck. <laughs> oh, it was a beautiful thing to behold. And it has been suggested I would be a suitable figure to absorb the anger and concern. But the truth is that my father is a malignant presence, a bully and a liar. And he was fully personally aware of these events for many years and made efforts to hide and cover up. If the episode had just ended with Kendall, you know, again, like, just beaten down, Being taking the bro- blame, it would have, defe- the whole season would have been a bust. Well, it sort of was the bookend, right? From the mm-hmm. very first episode where he had that really sort of, you know, kind of meager, you know, press conference where he was he was pulled out of his, his Icelandic... Uh, mud bath, yeah. whatever, yeah. and he's like, sort of, can I, can I, they're like, no, you can't finish, you need to go to do this now. He gets the card, he does his thing, just very sort of kind of contrite and beaten down. Yep. And then here's a different candle, which is, so, we've seen him yeah. built up through the whole season. Right? Well, he he's didn't so really much build better up. this I mean, season. He got, I mean, there was a character arc for Kendall over the season, but in every single episode, in one way or, or another, he was still a broken candle, And, you know, that was what Naomi says to him on the yacht, right? Is that, you know, and, and you could see in one way or another Logan beating him down and breaking him. Like he wasn't broken enough at the beginning that he needed to continually be rebroken by inviting, by getting dragged back into the kid's house. He and sent all Naomi away. Look, Logan, I, I was wondering, I mean, did was Kendall always going to do this or what happened on the yacht to sort of provoke him? Was it sending Naomi away? Was it you're not a killer. It was you're not a killer. Was it I think not it's a you're killer? not a killer. It was and you're not a killer. The sacrifice story. I mean that that story told to you would that would force anybody's hand to the no kill real their dad. Per- when he said there's no real person involved. Don't even worry about how you did the manslaughter thing. No, when he tells I thought the, that was a no. When when he too. talked about the Incas and said yeah. like, oh, what right, else right. could you love so much that yeah you know, would cause the sun to rise in the yeah. morning. Inadvertently I mean, inspiring him. Yeah. Which, interestingly, yeah. Well, so, he put in the mouth of Marsha. Well, I who, think like, Marsha has, yeah. I think her sort of, I, I I bought that because I think she presents sort of this broader worldview of things, right? And so She has like, a little bit of literary right, because, sophistication. Exactly, because Logan is sort of like savages, right? She's like, well, come on, let's take a closer look at this, right? There's a bigger picture in terms of what that meant for these people. Mm-hmm. Can I also, by the way, since we're talking about literary sophistication, I need to drop this in here. There's an Easter egg when they're sitting around in on the deck of the yacht and Roman is sitting next to Jerry and speculating that Frank is going to be the blood sacrifice. And Jerry's reading a book. And Jerry is reading a book. Um, Ed, what book is Jerry I don't know. What, someone's going to tell me which book Polish is. Girls. Yeah. yeah. The Lullaby of Polish <laughs> And who girls. is the Polish girl? Is writer. Carolina. There we go. Real life Carolina, the, whose name Dagmara is. Dagmar Domenczyk. Mm-hmm. I love that it's also the character's a press agent who's written a book, you know, in... <laughs> In if we go out into the real world, right, and coming back into this fictional world, it's, I mean, that's I love not, that. yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a whole thing. Too. Good job. And Shiv was reading Sally Rooney. Yes, she was, which was pretty very rad. trendy, I guess. Well, and and very thematically appropriate 
for who she is. For who she is, for what was going on between her and Tom, Sally Rooney's, you know, stories are obviously full of drama, infidelity, you know, love, tension. And there they are in the next cove. Another cove. One more. What's his name? Julian? Julius. Julius. Next next cove, Julius. Julius. Was it Julian? Woman. Anyway, but like, uh, in in any case, there was a sea urchin. (laughs) Uh, any uh, any cove with a sea urchin is a suboptimal, imperfect cove. Yeah, that's clearly So you cove. should probably pick the next one over that has no sea urchin. I mean, this was a great episode for Tom Shiv everything. It really was. We have been wondering all season, like, what is what is happening in this marriage? Why are they doing this? And We've finally, been wondering that since season one. Yeah, and finally it sort of breaks open in the cove and, you know, Tom really, he uses the threesome to really get into it. Confessional. And what yes. does he say? Um, I, I'm not going to be happier. I can't tell. I wonder, be, yeah, if I would be sadder, you know, without uh, you than, than I, I am, am with, with you. you. <laughs> Basically like, is what oh. he said. I think a lot of the time, if I think about it, I think a lot of the time I'm really pretty unhappy. I don't know. I love you. I do. I just, uh, I wonder if, I wonder if the sad I'd be without you would be less than the sad I get from being with you. And I think actually pushed her to do something that was maybe not good for her, which is defend him. So she's made her Logan. own sacrifice, yeah. I think. Yeah, you know, she, she made her sacrificed own her own position with her dad by just saying, it can't be Tom, anyone but Tom. Not that Tom was going to be necessarily, but you could see her sort of putting herself on the line. Well, mm-hmm. what happened, the, the, the quote is where Logan goes up to Shiv and there's still this kind of glimmer of possibility that right. she could take over from him because obviously Rhea's not going to take over. And he presents her with, quote, the sort of tough choice people need to be able to make. And her reply to that is, I can't choose dad. Yeah. Yes. And like at that point, she's basically saying, don't give me the job. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't yeah. make yeah. that. I can't make that tough call, which is sort of what this whole episode has really been about. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we want to get to it now, but I, I think there is this issue, this argument over who the blood sacrifice really was. Because even though we see it's Logan at the end, there is this moment in the beginning where he's on the road and he's talking to a shareholder where the shareholders basically like, it needs to be you. And he goes, let me think about that. Right. And you kind of wonder like, it seems like it's set up to be there. He knew it was going to be him anyway. Right. That yeah. was the foreshadowing. So I, I that really was, about that. in other words, that was inevitable. So it, he required someone to make that call. No one was doing it. Right? And he, he, until the he, he sets up he wasn't Kendall do to do it. Himself. He sets up Kendall Which is to do why it. he smiles at the end. Yes. Right. Well, does he smile because, does he smile because he's proud of his son? Yeah. Yeah. He asked, because that's, he's like, what, that's how I read Because it, yeah. he was like, if I just step down, it's not nearly as effective as if. Kendall knifes me. Well, maybe it stays in the family because Kendall gets to keep control. Kendall gets to keep control. Right. And, you know, it's it feels meaningful, right? Your right. own son doing this. And it's just, I think that's, that's sort of, there's this gr- kind of great Shakespearean, you know, Athenian tragedy aspect to that whole episode. It's, I think it's no mistake that not that far from Greece. He's, that, he's basically asking his son to do it, but he can't ask he him, can't to, ask do him to do it. And yes. he can't himself step down because he has too much of an ego. And it's clear when you, if you're following the story and we all follow corporate America, that it had to be Logan. He had to be the one to step down. He ran this company. He, 
Like he's right, responsible. He was, There's no other. He, he was like the he was the Travis Kalanick figure. Basically, yeah. he was the guy who right. was like who set the culture for the entire company. Yeah, and and the fish rots from the head down. Like it had to be. <laughs> it had to Logan. be him. Is there any example in the real world of a sacrifice of a firstborn son? In the business world, in corporate America, in corporate no, America, I was actually thinking about them when it happened. Like this is a departure from reality because I have I can't think of one. I'm sure there has been. But I'm trying to think. I like, really can't think of uh, of an example where something like that happened, where like a family owned corporate entity and someone was first son or second son, whichever blood person, blood relative was sacrificed for you know your own sins essentially, or the other way around. So I haven't because the closest. Not the closest, but the mo- one in recent memory was the whole Murdoch hacking scandal mm-hmm. where right. there was testimony in front of parliament and you saw both Rupert and James, his son, you know, in front and James doing his best to sort of explain his role, non-role in this hacking thing. I got the email. I just didn't read, read the, the email. email <laughs> right. For, for those of us who, who cared about that specific moment. And there was the whole pieing incident as well, um, which that is a stranger truth than fiction. But that. Neither of them were sacrificed. Neither of them ultimately took the blame for it. It was Rebecca Brooks who did. Right? Who, was who, a, then, who was kind of a quasi-daughter figure. Quasi-daughter figure who ran uh, Murdoch's UK newspapers. She was sacrificed, but then brought back into the fold after what it was, like two years of... Right. But what about James Murdoch? Like, I feel like he emerged from that pretty... He, pretty so he, he was the closest to getting yeah. burned, right? And But it never really happened. And now Both, he invests in Vice. Now he invests in Vice. Yeah. Which we have mentioned this on, on the podcast before, but that his investment vehicle for investing in Vice is Looper, which is the wolf who raised Romulus and Remus. Yeah. Right. right. Too good. <laughs> Too good. <laughs> Amazing. Um, uh, and there was we... that great tweet when he invested in Vice and, and, and someone like tweeted out saying, like, I've seen their plan and my dad's plan is better. better? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't um, the Walter episode also like kind of set it set me up to prepare like for Kendall to come in at the end and do something? Yeah, a because when when Logan says you're not a killer, you flash back to episode two and you're like, well, well he was a he killer. Did. Yeah, he killed. True, but he was doing it at the behest of his dad. Right. right. He wasn't and sort even of, of weirdly at the behest of. Of Roman. Roman, right. Right, and Roman, like that, when when he gets offered the COO job, and he's like, well, am I going to have that, like, what did he call him? Pusillanimous. I can't remember. It wasn't pusillanimous. Pusillanimous. <laughs> it was something like that. Uh, you know, Frank, like, breathing down my shoulder, and, and Logan's like, now nah, he's off to clean up cruises, so you're on your own. <laughs> so Roman in this episode, let's discuss. He seems Roman, to have grown Roman up. He shines. He shines. He shines, yes. Because this is my role, uh, did you guys notice what he was drinking at the breakfast table? Oh, I missed this. You're going to no. have to. No. Yeah, what drinking? is this? A green juice. Oh! <laughs> yeah. You see? Wow. So he, he is- He's cleaned up. He is cleaned he's up. Cool. He's sitting there. He's the only one drinking a green juice. It's pro- It probably has like like protein powder in it. Mm-hmm. You know, he is- Bee pollen and- yes, Bee pollen. Right, yeah. No burgundy, he is no coffee. collecting the energy. Yeah, no burgundy. <laughs> He's None the hippie. Weird he cough. is the hippie in this episode. Yeah, and I bet know I wouldn't it's not be Tom. surprised if, <laughs> right. like, at home, he actually has been drinking green juice with no one watching. Maybe Tabitha goes <laughs> into the room. I think he has green juice on a regular basis. It's part of his. Like, there is somewhere in there. There's like a healthy. So it's like can, his, we, can we talk talking about Tabitha? Can we talk about the plus ones who are and who are not on the boat? Because obviously, there's a whole. I do want to get back to Roman Naomi. Okay. But where's Tab? First, where, yeah, where's Tabitha? But where the, the fuck is Marsha? 
She's gone. Well, she left she, him. But she's very purposely not there. That's the point of that episode. He wakes up in the bed and yeah. he looks over yeah. and it's empty and it's like. But has she he's left actually him literally him said, him or is she just her. not on the boat? No, she left him. She's not left on, him. She I left, think him. She's left him. Yeah. What's she's also, gone. Yeah. She's left him. He and, broke something, remember? Yeah. yeah. Sure. He says, I miss like, her. He actually you know, misses he says human. He says he misses her. And I, I mean, there was that thing where she's like, you've broken something. And there was clearly like, that was them fighting for the first time that we've really seen them fighting but you know it's a big step from like you know you did so you 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 never told me about the fact that you're going to name someone the ceo to i'm going to leave you i mean he was also i think sleeping with Rhea or trying to yeah you know the... that's I've, i still wonder <laughs> about that there's just just the way it's the, the way they put that show together in terms of that whole is she are they or aren't they i think it's purposely sort of not clear, mm-hmm. right? You're supposed to sort of as as the audience, just you're you're wonder guessing, and then I think Marsha sort of either senses it or even well, if it well, didn't she actually certainly happen, senses it. She yeah. says, have you been? <laughs> well, but I think her whole thing is like I don't care whether you actually have or not. The the point is you've sort of you've broken something here, right? You've you've sort of it's not just Rhea. it's that you're doing all these things and not letting me in on it. Yeah, you're treating me like one right. of your kids, etc. And I think that's really it's been building up. For yeah, but I, I think she, I think she'll be back for season three. Yeah, I mean, otherwise they wouldn't keep talking about her so much, right? I mean, she's been in since she's gone. She's been a bigger presence, maybe arguably, than since she was she was there. But we right. also, yeah, we need her. I mean, she always plays this really unique. She kind of is like, um, like totemic for like wisdom or like other, you know, that she has these like very strong and and or weird like, or just being like, like old world and the sort of yeah, yeah like Burgundian like she symbolizes <laughs> Burgundian. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. But to go back to Roman a little, it really does seem like he's come back with some kind of wisdom. And then he's sitting on the yacht deck with his siblings and he says, after this is over, can we just like talk like real <laughs> real humans? And they're like, can we talk? What is he saying? We talk like real humans? Like, you know, like, like regular people, like normal, like yeah, normal, like normal. Like nor- and they're normal. Like, right. like that normal, was the operative like word. Normal, normal. Right. And it was like, oh, no, you can't. I did think and I thought, you know, they were going to vacuum out my innards and fill me with concrete or something. But if we come through this, is there a thing where we, like, talk to each other about stuff normally? You want to talk to each other normally? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You mean... Talk about okay. the big shit. Yeah, we can talk about the big shit. We can shit. talk about <laughs> our feelings. <laughs> How am I the mature one here? <laughs> we don't have any feelings. What are you talking about? <laughs> Who is this helping? <laughs> you know, he had this near-death experience, right? So he finally had this moment of like, oh, crap. It's like, this is real and this is dangerous. And like, what's my life about? It's like and his gravitas his gravitas. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> yeah. he's, you know, and he shines in this episode where he's just like, you know what, Dad? This is not, I don't think this is real. He's like, like I'm a bullshitter. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, know, I know. I know from bullshit. Exactly. So that was the smart 
business call, right? And You're I, not going to hang it on this thing. And I meanwhile, love how you went after Jamie, Jamie. Led, yes. Jamie is like the the, and he just like he's like, yeah, I know what's happening internally in your bank. You yes, need to get this deal, you're desperate for the deal. Jamie just becomes crushed. He gets excommunicated from the island on the first boat out. Um, yeah, what it was, was such... good, good night, sweet ladies, or something. Yeah. Like, what, yeah, was, what that? was that? He was just so crushed by Roman. It was be- it was a beautiful thing to behold when he said, "What you're going to make like a hundred million on this?" He's like, like, he's like, I don't know what to say about. I don't know what to say to that. And Roman just so don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this searing indictment of. Basically, investment bankers too, right? Because <laughs> yeah, that I was that whole, so his whole much. role. That because he, he has, into. because he, if if he pushes this deal, like the idea is, just to be clear about this, that the uh, Azerbaijani royal, you know, state something something will put up ten billion dollars, and then Jamie will raise another what, like thirty billion dollars in debt, be, at something least, like yeah, that, mm-hmm. some, some insane amount. Because he is like this like Jimmy Lee figure who can just like make a couple phone calls and raise billions and billions of dollars in debt for I think Jimmy Lee is probably the accurate. Yeah. I was, I was racking my brain for who is the closest sort of big figure investment banker type that sort of, I think it's Jimmy Lee. Where's Jimmy Lee from? Well, he's, where's he now? He was at JP Morgan. JP Morgan, yeah. Didn't he die? Oh God. I think he died. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. But yeah, he was this legendary like uh, JP Morgan investment banker who, or financier, I guess you would call Connected it. Connected to everyone. Knew everyone. And like you could just phone him up and say, Jimmy, I need to borrow $25 billion. Can you put this together for me? And he'd put together like an AB loan, put together a syndicate of banks, and boom, now it's your $25 billion. And it, you might have to pay up for it, but you would have your $25 billion. And And Jamie Laird is clearly... Um, which, who, by the way, he's the only person who people... It's so confusing. Half the, half the time they call him Led and half the time they call him Jamie. And I'm like, why? Wh- like, what? I was so Just confused. Just pick one on name a, and stick with it. On Jesus a different Christ. podcast, I was like, is he Laird? And everyone was like, he's Jamie. And I was like, ah! <laughs> 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 Who is he? But now he's gone. And he said, he said, someone's getting tossed out of the balloon. Someone is likely going to jail. Good night. Good night, sweet ladies. And good luck. Was that a it's reference the, to anything? I don't know. I, it sounded like it. Good night, sweet ladies. Sounded like... I mean, it sounds like Google the end of it. Hamlet, right? Like Goodnight Sweet Prince, but yeah, I think that's the that reference. I think that's the reference they're going for. Yeah, and then the someone's getting tossed out of the balloon. If you watch the um, after the episode kind of thing, Jesse Armstrong was saying that putting them all on the yacht together was a, a version of the balloon argument. When you're all in the hot air balloon and it's losing who gets air, tossed off? and you have to argue over who gets tossed off the balloon. So that's what the well, there's that situations. that great scene where they're all around the table, like pointing fingers at each mm-hmm. other who who it should be. That wonderful and little it goes comic all the way it's, around. It's all yeah. of like, like the non-family members like pointing at each other because <laughs> right. the one rule is that if you're not a family member, you can never point at a family member. Right. Mm. And it's so weak. Like in reality, just leave this company. Why do they want to stay at Waystar Royco at this point? It's a sinking. It is a sinking I, I ship. It is a deflating balloon. I think it is exactly the right Why question. Why does Jerry want to stay? But I think that, but Jerry, but also I think fr- the Frank character, I think really sort of encapsulates it, which is he comes back basically yes. on his knees. It's because they, they can't not. It's just oh that lifestyle and sort of be, that proximity to power and having some ancillary power of your own. It's like, it's really hard to walk away from. And yes, you could, I'm sure he's already rich on its own, on his right. own, but like, they don't do it for that. They do it for the power. And and self-definition. I mean, they're yeah. in a deeply abusive relationship. They're all in an abusive relationship. So they're codependent with this maniac. 
And they've been defined by it. They've been defined by these relationships to Logan for so long that I can't even imagine what they would like. They probably don't know who they are. And that's sitting what in there. Shiv is doing to Tom. She is like recreating. She is her father in the relationship. And she's making. She's abusing him. She's in abusing yeah. Tom. She's like gives him, makes him have an open marriage that he obviously doesn't want. Tries to force him into a three way. Humiliates him in front of the family. Offers him up to be the blood sacrifice at that at that breakfast and then like finally pushes him to the limit where he has to kind of like fight back a little bit but it's clearly some kind of recreation and she needs to be like the powerful one in their relationship you, you mean when you're hanging out with your husband you don't call him a meat puppet <laughs> <laughs> my meat puppet isn't working no. <laughs> but then she has this moment of you know being human where right. she goes to her dad said it can't be Tom and, and, and I can't do this I, but I only after this. only after Tom has his moment of being human, and this is threatening the the, re- the relationship. relationship. This right. is yeah. the weird thing, like Tom's reaction to being shat upon by Shiv and by everyone. Really, is to just shit on everyone below him to you know use human beings as footstools and mm-hmm. stuff, which is not his natural inclination. It's just what he feels he needs to do in this kind of incredibly fucked up world yeah he's been destroyed by the world just like all of them just like Shiv has her arc this season has been really interesting because it was like she was on top of it all at the beginning gets sucked into the world and now by this finale is just destroyed she lost her shot she comes off looking weak she used to be like the smart one remember I don't but she's the one who winds up like sitting next to Logan at the end not being across the cruise scandal like it, like I, I feel kind like, of like what are, but there is this know. moment of like, what are you doing? And you can see it in Logan's face, like, oh, he's doing the thing. I think there's like I made this comment earlier about there's play acting, right? I think this family and pretty much most of the characters have been play acting, like the role that they think they're supposed to play without really realizing it. Logan is the only one who is ruthless enough to know, like, here's what you really need to be and what you need to do. Kendall finally captures that at the end. I think that is the point of in a lot of ways, a series is that are you just sort of fitting out this role of the, you know, the princeling and this is what you're supposed to be doing. And Roman sort of he's the court jester, but he like understands it's mostly bullshit. So he sort of kind of finds his way. He has a moment of reality where he's like, oh, this is a real thing and this is not a good deal. And dad, don't take it. And Shiv recognizes that she's not this person either. And then Kendall finally says, you know, I, I Kendall, am this person. Kendall I could has be this done person. this three times now right mm-hmm. he he tried the boardroom coup which was a, him like really seizing the day and that fails he then try and he then joins stewie you know, and, stewie and mm-hmm. sandy and that's him seizing the day and making the bold move and that fails now he's doing it a third time but i feel like this time is different because i feel like you know, I think he presents, I mean, the closest in a lot of ways for me as a reporter in terms of looking at this world was James Murdoch in that he was very much like this technocrat, right? Very smart about the business, understands balance sheets and finances and how you operate something. And it's more or less what Logan is telling him. He's like, oh, you're smart. You know what to, what to do, but you don't have that killer thing. And I think those earlier attempts to take over were like these sort of technocratic moves. They were sort of like these, yes. well, if you do A, B, Stewie and C... Stewie is a can, technocrat, right? Stewie is a technocrat, right? And so I think... It's just like, this is all about just persuading a majority of shareholders that they can get a little bit more money. Right, it's like counting the votes, right? Yeah. Whereas, you know, Sandy, which we haven't seen, you know, unfortunately, but like he is the, that power behind the thro- behind that throne, which is, it's really, he's the Rupert, not the Rupert Murdoch, but the... um. 
who do we call him before? Who, 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 John Malone. He's the John yeah, Malone. John He's Malone, the Darth yeah. John Malone, by the way, who Al Gore once referred to as the Darth Vader of cable. <laughs> right? So anyway, my point being is that like he and Stewie teaming up are like college buddies pulling a prank almost. Right. It sort of didn't feel that real. Mm -hmm. This felt real. This felt like, you know what? This is the only way to seize power is to take it. But also that kind of the whole sort of like quasi syphilitic aspect of sandy like reminds me a little bit of sumner <laughs> right, reminds yeah. me a little bit of like robert maxwell i think there's a bit of robert maxwell i think also i think logan is an interesting character in the sense that i always see him as sort of this perfect hybrid of sumner and rupert sumner was a yeller or is a yeller still technically right uh rupert is not he's not a yeller but he's super he can be super difficult in the way that logan is difficult but you sort of take the, that combination of sort of shrewd and cold, but also a yeller. <laughs> and then you've got like God. this crazy, crazy mega media mogul that neither one reality of, of, of either Rupert Murdoch or... And that Kendall goes like so on the record. No, nothing has ever been more on the record in the history of on the record. And he says, the truth is my father is a malignant presence, a bully and a liar. <laughs> <laughs> it is the truth. Which if he said the that, lie. if he'd said that off the record to the biographer, like that would have been the end of it. But like since he says it on the record to a whole press conference. And he like does it like it's like he could lose the whole thing. Like it's a very he does it's very risky what he does. It's not like well, like what you were saying, Ed, it's not a technocratic move. It's a right. really a risky it's play because a he ballsy can, move, right. He was part of the whole thing too. And I think he even alludes to that at one point. Yeah, in he's speech. like, you know what, this might have been my fault too. This might have been me too. Like who knows what's gonna happen, but I'm coming out with the truth. And that's pretty I mean, it's pretty bold and risky. Does he has nothing to lose anymore? Does Kendall season. Do Kendall and Greg sort this out? Yeah, is, on the this, plane is, ride? this is the question. Oh, that, that was yeah. a great yeah. moment, right? Where ride. he's got he's got the papers <laughs> in the middle of the envelope, yeah. and you're like, "What is this? Where?" Is so, this does me? this happen? Let's go back. Can we go back yeah. to the plane ride? Is, is Greg a fucking we're killer? On, is Greg a killer? Is Greg a killer? Because we're on the plane. Are you okay, man? This is Greg to Kendall. Are yeah. you okay, man? Ken's like. You can go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm, you know, not I'm not going to jump out of the plane. Okay, but like to be clear, is that? Because, like, Greg was on Kendall's hitting duties earlier in the season, yes. right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so... And getting him drugs. And is park that, Coke. Park Coke is park what he was Coke. getting him. You got him <laughs> I'm park doing Coke. Park Coke? Okay. And then Kendall gave <laughs> Greg the apartment. But but just to be clear, when Kendall gets sent off to do his seppuku thing in front of the world's press, and he takes Greg with him, like, that was... I'm, mm -hmm. I'm looking so at when that they and I'm, step seeing, off I'm seeing Greg get onto the helicopter. I'm like... Why? Did Kendall take Greg with him? Did Logan ask Greg to go with him? Like, how is Greg on that helicopter? It's Greg yeah. Sprinkles, man. It's, it's Greg, Sprinkles, Greg Sprinkles, but I think, right. I think you're right. I think it's Kendall taking him with him because they get off the plane. You see they're both all they're dressed up. They're yep. in their suits. They've got mission. And Greg has got. Greg has his briefcase. He's got his briefcase. And it's right. very. No, I, must Secret be, files. It must be yes. something about the camera folder. work because I totally noticed that exact thing. It must be how. How it was framed because Kendall walks ahead of him, nothing right. in his hands, and then Greg's behind him, and you notice, and you yes. notice the briefcase, but also you notice because you know they they care about the small things on this show. That Kendall walks off the plane wearing a fucking perfect suit, yes, and then Greg walks off the plane like a few seconds later wearing a not perfect. Suit. <laughs> <laughs> At least he's a little bit more cleaned up than he had been before. Yeah. Hopefully the fungus is gone. <laughs>
Yeah. Well, oh, having man. them out like that is good for fungus. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it sells out. But I love that that, that great good. line where where like Kendall shouts over to him, "Are you ready to step up, Greg?" <laughs> <laughs> and Ken's like, "Well, I think the fungus is going." <laughs> <laughs> But if you remember at the end of season one, Greg approached Kendall and tried to use what he knew. Remember that? He he approached Kendall and Kendall was like, I see you, Greg. Yeah. So I feel yeah. like the seeds of this were actually planted then, or you could read it that way. That, yeah. You know, Greg was trying to give him that information way back then to get on his good side in case he ran the company. And then maybe Kendall remembered and thus... And they've had this more of a interconnection through the season between yeah. uh, Kendall and Greg. And we tend to think of Greg as sort of with Tom mostly, which he is. But really, it's like I think he developed that thing with Kendall through the season that paid off. And I think Greg and Tom had their breakup in D- the DC episode. That's right. They, they had their breakup. Yelling right. at him, uh, saying like, did you? I don't remember what he said. Throwing saying. water bottles at him. Well, there was that. <laughs> and then, you know, he felt like um, – uh, Wamsgans like sold him out in DC so I feel like that kind of ended their relationship especially after Tom's performance in front of the hearing which was which by the way can we just mention can we just talk about that Dead great the, no the, the, the pre-credit sequence where Greg is like yes if it is to be said <laughs> you can just speak you can just speak English I shall Gregory Hirsch executive assistant to Tom Wamsgans correct yes Yes, if if it is to be said. I'm sorry? Uh, If it is to be said, so it be, so it is. Are are you all right? Uh, Yes, Uh, I merely wish to answer in the affirmative fashion. You can speak to us normally. Okay, no, thank you, sir. Uh, uh, So I shall. (laughs) And then he's talking about, like, things he could have said. Yeah. Which was so relatable. Who yeah. who among us hasn't left a podcast recording and been like, oh, I could have said this. I should have said that. <laughs> yeah. There's all of that. Everything. But yeah, the fact that, that, that I was like, in the back of my head, I was like, why didn't they ask Greg to testify? I love that they had like, you know, 30 seconds of Greg testifying at the beginning just to sort of tie also, that. Uh, they left him totally alone. Like the yeah. last last episode, it's, there's a war room. Everyone in the company is there. I'm sure Carolina was in the back somewhere. <laughs> But They're he doesn't have his counsel. There's no counsel there's next to him. There's, there. there's no one to like, you know, cover the microphone and. Turn oh, and that away. wonderful I'm Greg, bit where I'm like, like I'm, oh, I'm done with this. I'm going to Kendall, and we're gonna do some work. That bit where Hugo tries to knife Carolina. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> You're like, wow, and Logan's like, you are a mean motherfucker. <laughs> just kind He's of like, you asked, Logan. Yeah. Right. Do you, should, should we talk about uh, Logan's list for one second? That it's actually hilarious that it's written down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On lined paper, yeah, with stars, with stars, and it's like it's like your middle school notebook. Totally. You're like, oh. like you're doodling like the people you are, you've written right? it's a slam book. Everyone you know, it's a slam book, and then put little stars next to the ones you like the least and are most likely to throw overboard, and then put it. A little box around box it. Box around it, yeah. Like he's yeah, just was, sitting there doodling, right? He's, do- he's doodling with people's lives. Yeah. yeah. He just, it had to be him. And he knew it too. He knew it before Philippe called on his phone, directly calling him the investor. <laughs> I don't, did he know what Philippe was going to say? No, but I, I think he knew. He knew the everyone was out for blood and he knew, he's a smart guy. Yeah. He, yeah. He and then, I, I, and that it. was the thing, he like when, when he's having the conversation with Logan, where he's like, Logan, you need to go out and take the full... And he's explaining why. Um, and he goes, they won't accept me. 
And you're like, of course they'd fucking accept you. Of course, you. they want like, you. And and not only does he know it's a lie, but he knows that Kendall knows that it's a lie. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think that's the point at which he's basically telling Kendall, like, it's got, yeah. you know, this is, here, here's a knife. Go knife me if you have the balls. Hello, I'm Imi Harper. On the slow newscast from Tortoise, I tell the story of how a Hong Kong billionaire was silenced. I got bombs thrown into my house. I got people camp here, ransacked my computer. And I, I got people fractured me. I got this and that, but I'm safe. And what it reveals about the freedoms Hong Kong no longer enjoys. Listen to Hong Kong's Rebel Billionaire on the Slow Newscast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we should also, we haven't mentioned Connor very much, but we should also mention Connor's whole role in this episode, right, as approaching. Just, hey, just you know, just a little, little just hundred a little million. Hundred mil. <laughs> a little hundred mil, you know, I'm like. Why does Willa get to stay on the boat? Because Willa's with Connor. Yeah, but Naomi was with Kendall. But, and where's Tabitha? And where's Tabitha? I just don't, I understand that Will is probably there so we can get the, oh. Can, the iPad take, scene? Do you want to take Felix's iPad? Because <laughs> you Check can do the, the voice. Ocean, yeah. You did the voice before. <laughs> what does she? She makes she, she a noise. She makes a noise. <laughs> well, what did the time say? Oh, baby, you know what? I think let's just have a good time, and then you know when we're ready Come for on, a laugh. Let me take a look. You know why don't we just, just give me think? Just stop. Where is? Where is it? Oh, here. Just just ignore the headline, okay? Disregard that because. <laughs> That was awesome because, like, yeah, I love that. She's there offers himself up as a sacrifice rather hilariously, and everyone just laughs him off. I mean, he's he is no sacrifice, right? He's like, throw me into the volcano just as long as I have a hundred million dollars to cushion my fall. And finally, Logan tells him his his presidential campaign is an embarrassment, and so that's that. If he wants his hundred mil, his little hundred mil, he has to give up the campaign, get rid of his con heads, and we should also talk about the viral meme. Go ahead, Ed. The viral the, meme. Do you mean the GIF? The, the GIF. I'm a meme. I'm a GIF. And yeah. it's like it's like Connor fist pumping and then the Berlin Wall falling. <laughs> what was that? I'm a GIF. He's like, this is, is all happening? good. This is all good. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's just it's hilarious that you know he he's presented as first of all a hundred million to stop your campaign. <laughs> it's like, well, who has these kinds of conversations anyway? Mm. Uh, the Roy's do. The Roy's clearly do. Yeah. Um, there, I, I I don't. It's. And then he presents himself later as a potential sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, sure. Give, it, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. I'll do. I'll be the guy. Just pay me off. Is literally what he's saying mm-hmm. in that scene. He just feels like I, I liked his presence in this episode, but it, I just I didn't get the plot point for him. Maybe he's inherited that whole like I will do anything for money thing from Willa. Well, okay, but hold on. It- let, let, let's her... look at the what what Logan does for all of the kids. What he, how he manipulates all of the kids in this episode, because if we're saying he's the puppeteer really for all of this stuff, mm-hmm. remember the fact that he's the one who sent Roman out. He he, I mean, I'm not saying he made the you know the, the coup happen in in Turkey, but he or the the you know that whole hostage situation. But he did force his son into a very dangerous situation from which. Roman returns, a prodigal son, changed, serious. Also in this episode, Shiv, who has become kind of morally depraved over the course of the season, becomes a, like, actually puts herself on the line for her husband, becomes a dutiful daughter. Ken finally kills his dad. (laughs) And Connor gives up the conheads. I mean, every single thing that Logan could want 
for these kids, like real, actual bringing up your kids happens. Like this, teaching them uh, this teaching lesson, them. right. They yes. all learn these like terrible lessons by fire. And if you look at who they are at the end, they're improved. They've and, been refined and, and by the fire. And if you remember when Rhea takes that first meeting at Chase Manhattan Plaza where they first talk about wanting to buy Pierce, mm-hmm. the first thing she says to Kendall is, oh, look, it's Oedipus Roy. <laughs> <laughs> that right. was great. That was great. Like, there's that. foreshadowing for you. Yeah, Logan had it wrong because in the last episode he says to Roman, I know you want to fuck your mother or whatever, but um, it, it, <laughs> it, was, wasn't it wasn't that. Oedipus. It was just killing your father. It was just Kendall was the Oedipus. Yeah, yeah. just killing the father. I think also what's notable is, you know, we, this season for the first time we saw the mom and just how... Well, we so, saw it at the end. We saw it at the end, one. but like how cold... Oh, that's right. But she's ultimately this this cold presence and as terrible as logan is the kids love him more <laughs> you know yeah. Yeah. back to this earlier point about how they're still hanging around him and they can't let go of him and there's that scene uh with kendall saying to naomi it's like he he loves me you know i know just it doesn't express in in in, in the way <laughs> normal people do and I'm- so I, I think that's there's this weird filial piety and this sort of weird filial love that is again very greek aegean tragedy and people on twitter were saying that the kiss that kendall gives logan as he's like Mm -hmm. at the end of their conversation is a judas it's a judas Mm -hmm. kiss can someone explain a little bit about that to me or well this is this is a christian thing Uh um which i i i I hesitate to call myself a christian which i'm not but i would there is this thing in the garden of gethsemane gethsemane right where Judas identifies Jesus as the person who has to be crucified Mm -hmm. by saying, like, I'm going to go up to all of these guys and the guy I kiss is is going to be the guy that you need to crucify. And that's how the Romans know who to arrest. (gasps) Did you just get uh, chills? Whoa. Now I understand there's also a shot of Kendall in the yacht pool with his arms. Yeah. He's he's like a Christ figure. Like, he's going to be the one that's crucified. But then, no, Judas kiss. Well, there's also, I mean, in in cinema (laughs) history, there's a famous scene in in Godfather where... Um, where Michael Fredo kiss. kisses Fredo. Yeah. Right. He's like, I knew oh. it was you. Yeah. So that's it's it. It's there very, is it's very a, much a part of yeah, sort of echoes. cinematic history, right? Yeah, and, oh, beautiful. You know, it was. I thought it was very cleverly and well done here, and it wasn't too heavy handed, mm-hmm. but just enough. But then, and then when when it happens at the end, you remember the kiss, and you're like, oh, Judas kiss, Judas kiss. Right. Yeah. And also, we should talk about. I was just thinking about Greg in this episode, he's less dazzled by the wealth than usual, right? When they when yeah, he, gets he comes up to the yacht, he's like, yeah, whatever. Right. Well, and the yeah. rosé. He's not I impressed. Love that. <laughs> it's not really my You, can't, you right. can't help but, build, but develop an opinion. You, you have a bunch of different types of champagne. You're going to prefer one yeah. to another. What are you drinking? Uh, this is, I'm not sure. It's a, it's a rosé. It's not my favorite. Well, you got a favorite champagne now. Well... You can't help noticing. It's fine. I'll drink it. It's just not my favorite. But it's so different from the Greg of the beginning of the season who's like dazzled by Kendall's penthouse, remember? And right. Kendall's just like, oh, it's all they had left in fashion. Yeah. Like all the good penthouses are taken. And Greg was like, what? Like he also he, he, just, he, he but gave the person, he gave the person who gets it the one I the, the thing I love the most about it is Naomi. Mm. She's just like matter of fact telling Greg, like, oh yeah, teak you floors. have to take your yeah, teak floor. You have to take your shoes. She understands the the world of wealth, even though she's not. Well, Roy. She's, she's old school money. She is right? old. It's money very herself. classic old yeah. school, new school. You know, sort of nouveau. But she can old also school. tweak them. Uh, that wonderful line, which I 
kind of missed, but I just got where she's like, where she calls up to, to Kendall and she's like, your shorts match your rosé. Was that yeah. plan? <laughs> <laughs> That's a very old money kind of th- way of thinking. You know, everything looks too much a thing. Oh, and speaking of looks too much, the Marsha refit on the what, yacht. That weird, oh, that weird, like the Christmas glass. Christmas tree. Pr- like, like it looks like something out of the like, Melania design yeah. <laughs> it looked it looked like she managed to, she decided she was gonna get like dale chihulian oh. to redesign the yacht it was bad <laughs> it was unusually gauche her legacy was but losing. that's not yeah. her right she refitted yeah yeah no no but i'm just, just saying like if she had her druthers she wouldn't get dale chihulian to redesign the yacht that's not her actual taste it's mm. like her trying to piss off logan oh right mm. it was like a passive aggressive refitting of the yacht oh. yeah. which is like <laughs> deeply sinister <laughs> I also yeah. love that they're on the yacht the entire episode and the yacht doesn't go anywhere. There's a there's like well, okay, the so, helicopter right, I need and to there's ask, the taxi boats. It's like everything is I need is... to ask about whether the yacht goes somewhere because I think I might be wrong about this. I think it leaves from Venice. Right. And then they meet Stewie on Paxos. Paxos, Paxos which is on the on the western coast of Greece, off the western coast of Greece near Corfu. Right. So if you're it's going, not that far, you could you can't take a taxi boat necessarily. I think the yacht would have to get a little bit closer. The the yacht I feel like the yacht did actually sail a bit from Venice Maybe towards a little Paxos. Bit, yeah. Probably yeah. somewhere in between. <laughs> <laughs> How does Kendall know where Stewie is? I was wondering. No, about that's that. a good question, right? Does is he like back channeling with him? Like after the press conference ends and after he's torn up his prepared notes and mic dropped them, so much preferable to his mic drop. Several Do you think <laughs> earlier? Okay, so Does he you, go meet with Stewie or something? So wait, like, so are, are you they... suggesting that that was all sort of again play acting? That was theater. That he and Stewie had sort of set that up to sort of to force Logan's well, hand. I think, no, I think I think that was just your standard like mini crest screenwriting. Like you have to raise the possibility of like the Azerbaijanis coming in just to crush it. You need to raise the possibility of doing a deal with, deal with Stewie, Stewie just to crush it. You then need to like even that whole comic scene, the comic it's quasi comic breakfast with all of the what does Roman call them? The shit fuckers. <laughs> all of the shit fuckers pointing fingers at each other. Like you need to raise the possibility that maybe it could be like Jerry and Frank and you know the and maybe just to crush that as mm-hmm. well you know and so that was just part of closing off all of the other avenues until it became clear that it needed to be a family member I, and it's plausible that you would know i mean if you think about you and your life you kind of know where all of the major figures in your life are even if they're not like he's following him on instagram or yeah, something maybe yeah, yeah. Posting pictures yeah something like that like you kind yeah, of I know think where it's people probably instagram it's probably yeah. instagram or telegram <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. He, he, he's in the Telegram group, you know. I mean, has everything in this season, if you start thinking about it, none of it meant anything. Like the Pierce deal fell through, didn't mean anything. The uh, the Turkish money didn't mean anything. D- nothing happened. Like nothing actually In terms happened. of all the corporate actions, yes. There wasn't actual things happening there, yeah, but it was all happened. about. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like uh, on episode one, they're worried about the proxy vote and in episode 10 they're worried about the proxy right. vote. So like, this is probably the most dramatic proxy vote series <laughs> I have ever seen in my life right the thing is these hap- these things do happen every day and they can get dramatic but it's largely very abstract and you're talking about shareholder groups that own millions of shares this way and that way you have no idea how they're going to vote necessarily and you, I would, you don't need all of them either you only need like one or two big fish sometimes to sort of land your side of the deal I would not have been able to anticipate 
at the beginning of episode that one. That this would be a whole proxy. That we would get to the episode end of episode 10 and we still wouldn't have had the fucking proxy vote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess the most consequential thing was like the 60 Minutes and the New York Magazine episode and like the airing of the skeletons, right? I mean, that that is something that actually did in fact happen. And, and the, the proxy fight didn't matter until all these this bad stuff came out into the open. And then it right. was like all the sharks in the water. Is Kendall going to have to confess as part of this? About his well, because doesn't doesn't his dad hold that over him now, though? Yeah. Isn't he, that he like been. his, he could still so, use that. Okay, he, here's, my, here's my theory. I think Kendall is smart. If I'm remembering series one correctly, whenever Tom tries to talk to Kendall about the cruise bullshit, Kendall's like, are you a fucking moron? Don't tell me this shit. And he's like, I do not want to hear this. I do not want to know anything about this. You go away and do your motherfucking job. Kendall, I think, colorably, did a pretty good job of not knowing what was going on at cruises. Logan knew what was going on at cruises. But Kendall, I I think, honestly... You think did a good job of actually keeping himself out of the loop. Right. But I mean, the fact that his his dad is lording over him that he killed somebody. Okay, the car, the the car, car accident. accident. This is yeah, but not a real person. No real person involved. Yeah. 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 I think that's part of that scene was when Kendall said, oh, I deserve this. And Logan reassured him no real person involved. I feel like that was a big deal because not only did it show how depraved Logan is in thinking there are real people and not real people, but also it kind of showed that Logan doesn't care about that at all. Like maybe if he did move forward to betray him, it doesn't matter that he has this over him because he doesn't even think it was like freeing. Yeah, because he realized that he's that that Logan's been holding it over him. But But in fact, Logan doesn't even care about it. Yeah, he does not even thinking about it. Or kind of lets him off the hook. Right. Even if he does use it, though, somehow it's sort of like. As far as Kendall's concerned, it's like, you were going to take me down anyway. So, like, here we go. Let's yeah. just do this, right? Yeah. So, if you're going to take me down, I'm going to take you down. Maybe I win out of this, right? So, that whole, in the first episode of the second season where there's that sort of, at the end of that first episode where Kendall goes to Sandy and uh, Stewie and says, hey, this is what my message from my dad. It's really message between him and his dad now, right? Which is like, you might kill me, but I might kill you too. So let's just take it. And then this. also that was like at the end of episode one, when Kendall goes into that meeting with Sandy and Stewie and he's like, I'm going to cut your dick off right. and I'm going to I'm going to kill your wives and children. Right. And, and, and like, it sounds like it's a threat. And then he tries it again in episode 10. And Stewie's just like, oh, stop it with your fucking yeah. It's <laughs> 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 like, it doesn't matter how many severed dicks you shove up my, you know, ball box or whatever. <laughs> Until <laughs> poop's like, coming out of my mouth. Right, yeah, right. that was great. And he's sniffing the lavender the whole time. <laughs> I have a question about Logan and or Brian Cox. I'm not sure which one. There's this scene on the side of the yacht where he's talking to Kendall. And he gives this kind of quasi-Shakespearean monologue. And he's like, me, I never did anything really. I'm a good Catholic lad. And all the rest of them behave like a pack of stray dogs. And he's like, no, I'm not going to step down. And like, that was him talking up to his, you know, son, like basically, number one, telling Kendall that the shareholders want him gone. That was like where he was teeing up the whole thing. That was the first, right. But number two, like, you know, it was his little soliloquy, right? That was him basically opening up some genuine belief that he is in some weird way innocent, that he's not this malign, evil character. And it was this weird, like, 
and Brian Cox, when he delivers those lines, does it in this incredibly sort of Shakespearean way. Like in a way, it stops being Logan and starts being sort of I don't know Richard the Third or something. But I think he's played. I think he's been playing Richard the Third most of this time. Maybe right or King Lear. You know, if, if it's all. I think there is something about this idea that he thinks he's a good Catholic when he's actually not a good Catholic. Right? Is right. is a very Catholic thing, right? which is true of all Catholics. <laughs> Bad Thinking, Catholics. Yeah, exactly. All bad Catholics are sort of, you know, I was raised Catholic, so I, I think I know a little bit about this. Oh, but... you, you can explain the Judas kiss better than I can. No, you explained it very well, actually. But it's this whole idea that because Catholics sort of abide by these like kind of Kantian imperatives, right? Like there's a left and a right, and a, a, a good and a bad and a right and a wrong. And, you know, there's even if you've done the wrong, he can't call it the wrong, right? He's got to say that it's the right. And so... And I think he and that's also what makes him him, like why he succeeds in, in his career. And I think that's the the moment that Kendall's sort of realizing, OK, there's something broken here, you know, that there's like this guy is like there's something there's something up. Yeah, but all bad people think they're good people. They all persuade themselves that they're good people. You're the hero of your level. own story. Yeah, that's what they say. So low, even so, everyone thinks. I mean, except for Kendall. Kendall doesn't actually. Well, because that he's Kendall, a good for the whole season has been living through fuzziness. Right. And I think most of the characters live through that kind of fuzziness, whereas Logan is the only character who, like, has clarity about who he is and what he wants. Right. Mm -hmm. And then finally, Kendall finds that, like, quote unquote, clarity at the end. Right. This Mm -hmm. is what I need to do, who I need to be. Okay, so can I just ask, because, like, one of the main things that people say, like the people who don't like succession. Who are they? Unanimously (laughs) say (laughs) that the reason that they don't like succession is but because all of the characters are so hateful and they're all such bad people. So I think that's true that all the characters are bad people. But if you go down the list, like how many of them like Logan think they're actually good people? That's part of the brilliance of succession as a concept and the nothing happening of this season, because it's a little bit what keeps on happening again and again is it's a little bit like you really don't want Anybody who really wants to build a nuclear bomb is not the guy that you want or the woman that you want building a nuclear bomb, right? Like that's how they or or like anybody who really wants to be a cop, you kind of want to not let into the academy. But if somebody doesn't want to be a cop, they'd be a good cop. And it's kind of like anybody who'd want to run this empire needs to be discounted completely. Like it means they're a terrible person. So they have to like go through fire to emerge in order to be able to do it. Like anybody, they're they're all so bad, and that's why they keep on not being able to succeed. But I think I think they recognize they're they're all so bad too. Yeah, I, I, Roman I knows that he's bad. Yeah. Kendall knows that he's bad. Shiv definitely knows that she's bad. Yeah. Like when when she's just sitting there on the beach, and Tom is mm-hmm. like, "Look what you've done to me," and she all she can do is just kind of say, ah, "I'm sorry," because like she knows. That she has no excuse. She has no for justification for that. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. all bad, and that's why I think well, they. I think that their belief in themselves is keeping them from being able to succeed, Logan, and that Kendall, in his self-flagellation and self, kind of self-reflection, is closest to going, "I'm a flawed human," without making any excuses, which is why he's able to eventually step up. But that's because he had that at the end of the first season where he, he had that reckoning yeah, and that um, this whole second season is about him sort of rebuilding himself and basically saying, yeah, I'm bad. So what? Yeah. That's what it is now. Right. And I think that's so to the earlier point about like the people who don't like succession, which of course there are plenty or <laughs> who can't get into it for, for whatever reason. 
it's not television the way that we like to think of television, right? Which is sort of like fun and light and easy and everything's just sort of funny. I mean, these are Shakespearean, you know, characters. These are, you know, these are the gods on Olympus, so they're all terrible. And I think for at least me, it appeals because like this is, yeah, this is who we are as people, right? These are the worst of us is us in a lot of ways, especially now. I don't know. I don't know if you guys, I'm not speaking for you guys, but what's what's the appeal for you guys? I mean, what it's it? both funny and dark. And it says something about the, these big media companies that are running us. And so there, there's that insider appeal as someone who works in the media to see that. But if you cut that out for a second, like, is it for regular everyday people, for civilians, is this relatable? <laughs> for people yeah. who aren't, what? like, I'm always slightly <laughs> surprised when someone who's not on media Twitter likes Succession. <laughs> I mean, I think it's not that different from, like, The Sopranos or, like, prestige drama where it's all unlikable, allegedly unlikable people. Terrible people, right. But who are actually kind of likable, yes. like a Tony Soprano or the Breaking Bad guy, you know, I can't remember his name. It does, doesn't matter. Brian Cranston, but um, right. it's it's sort of in that, it's in that tradition and in that vein where it's like people doing nasty shit to each other, but they look really good and there is something you, you do wind up rooting for them. You do wind up rooting for Kendall over and over this season. I mean, you wind up rooting for Shiv's wardrobe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, but there is there is a sort of in the there in the tradition of theater, especially Western theater, whether it's Shakespeare or the Greek tragedies. The idea is that we look at these characters as the setting because they represent sort of the ultimate in humanity, mm. right? Meaning, like this is it. If you're going to live a full human life, you will live it as a king or a queen, right? And their flaws would ultimately show our flaws as humans, mm -hmm. right? Whereas if you're down on your luck, sort of poor person, it's like that's the bad situation and it's terrible, but that doesn't tell you about humanity, right? So when everything is stripped away and you're just yourself as human beings and you're a terrible person, that says something about humanity. So it's meant to be relatable in that way. We look at, you know, King Lear, Richard III, or Oedipus for that matter, because they're kings and princes. But in this universe of succession, they're propped up as sort of kings and princes and queens and, and princesses. So is that is it relatable that way yeah, or does it yeah. not succeed? I don't know. It's That's like you, you strip away when you're that wealthy and powerful. You strip away all your other – the hierarchy of needs is all met. Right. So you are just coming to it with your appetite. As a person. And, and right. just as a person. You don't have to worry about anything else. And then who are you as just a person? Oh, and it turns out you're just absolute trash. And that's the thing. Do, <laughs> do people recognize that if they were in this circumstance, meaning unlimited wealth effectively and all this kind of power, that they would be as terrible as these people? Yeah, that's why it's a successful show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm with you. So, okay, let's have um, favorite lines. Oh, okay, okay. Um, oh, there was the one where Roman is responding to his father who asks him, you know, is he okay after being held hostage? And he says, I've had worse experiences at hotels. I once stayed Didn't at a Marriott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Uh, Tamara? Thank you for the chicken. <laughs> what does that mean? Thank you for Can the chicken. Can we unpack that scene well, that, a little okay, bit? Okay, oh, why so. does he eat his chicken? Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what is Tom doing in that scene? I think that's his fuck this moment. Because Shiv says, I'm going to go talk to him for you. And I think that's his kind of, I'm going to grow a, well, I don't like want to say grow a pair. But like that's, I think he's going, I am a person to be fucked with here. Like I am a, I'm a real person. And so he goes and he sits down and he eats he, his chicken. He does this whole theater with the, with his 
sunglasses, and then and he, he licks, licks his, his finger. finger. Oh my god, the finger lick! <laughs> the finger lick is it, so it's good. It's his. It's his way of saying "fuck you." It's his, or it's his, his way of standing you. up to to and, Logan. And it is visually, it's resonant with the Ortolan. Right. Yes. He did another small piece yes. of poultry. Oh, yeah. So he, him, and small poultry. Is like <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. And, that and then brilliant. we also have it's the whole. It's also a chicken and egg thing, right? Because we have a tomlet. <laughs> oh my god! Amazing. Oh my god! Wow! wow. Eggy peg, eggy peggy. Do you see what I'm saying? The <laughs> scotch egg. egg. Uh-huh. Where was the scotch egg? The scotch egg it, with, is what they when had they when he to... thought it was narancino. Uh huh. Oh, right. Yeah. So I'm just we. I think it's. I think it's on one level. It's just continuing with this chicken egg um, cycle. Oh and my god! Beautiful. Who who wants to be the you know the chief of chicken continuity in the screenwriter's <laughs> room at Succession? Yeah, I, I bet you they really think about. It. <laughs> yeah, true. I feel like the, I'm very clued into that person. I'm, when it, when a chicken or an egg shows up, I'm like, I hear you, I see you, you <laughs> <laughs> see me. Brilliant. Anyway, um, um, uh, I think we talked about this earlier. It's it's going to be sort of like a more quiet line, right? Where Roman, you know, where he's he's. Talking to his brother and sister, he's like, can we, like, afterwards have, like, a conversation, like, normal? Yeah, something about that line, yeah. Yeah, it was it was quite tragic. Um, my favorite deep cut, I think, honestly, maybe, partly because it's one of my favorite movies in the history of movies. But when Shiv says, Rhea's out, melted. <laughs> what was that? Squiz of Oz. The oh. Wicked Witch is melted. Oh, nice. I didn't, didn't even catch that. Mean yeah, that. It's, it's elemental. Yeah. I mean, there's melted. this, I think this season especially is full of references in that way. Absolutely. Melted. And of course, we have to mention the last line. This is this is Kendall at the very end. Yeah. Yeah. He says, this is the day his reign ends. I have with me today copies of records that show his personal sign-off. How much those of us who executed his wishes bear responsibility is for another day. But I think this is the day his reign ends. Does it, you guys? Is, so, was okay, that the so day that, his reign so this ends? Is, this is where we need to end this episode and possibly even this season of Slate Monday Succession. Oh. Is is a little bit of completely baseless speculation about <laughs> season three. Ed, you think that like third time is the charm. Third time and, is the charm. And I Logan think. is going to wind up out. I think he's going to wind up out for a bit, but I do think this is going to be like a real, like a real. Is he going to fight to come back? Is he going to fight yeah. his son to come back? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. He's absolutely going to fight his son to come back, and I think that car accident is going to be a factor. Absolutely, it's going to be something. It's gonna take some form in this next season because that was yeah. that was the threat at the end of season one, right? He's like, you can't bring me down because if you do, then I will right. unveil. But the it hovers through the entire second season like this sort of phantasm, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just gonna it's going to sort of substantiate in the next season. And then Kendall's like, okay, you want to bring me yeah, down? No, let's let's do this. Yeah, this is, makes it so much more fun. But Logan covered it up, so I feel like his hands are dirty too in this thing. Like he exposes Kendall, he exposes himself. Yeah, but his 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 body man, you know, I think mm. he's got like an envelope full of stuff. Mm-hmm. Tamara, what's what's your prognostication for season three? I agree. I agree with Ed that that the third time's a charm. And the thing I don't know, and I was just trying to think about, was how to keep the ongoing, you know, tension just between the two of them compelling enough like some i don't i'm trying to figure out what the twist is 
other than them going back and forth over like who's done more horrible shit, like the, you know, car car crash cover up of car crash cover up of decades of you know rape and horrible behavior. But we've already seen Logan and Kendall tangle a lot. So keeping that fun to watch is going to require some you know pyrotechnics. Right, Lo- Logan still needs to be able to control Kendall and his like crazy mind tricks that's what the whole show is about but like let me ask you know the the proxy vote does it actually, does it actually happen <laughs> does it ever happen or do they manage to like do some kind of deal <laughs> with Sandy and they're going to extend that last day for like however, however long and, it and more to the point if third time is the charm then who is the new CEO? I think that's the next season is going to continue and we still won't know who the next CEO <laughs> is it's going to be like Kendall versus Roman because I feel like Roman is sort of coming up as something because he's got his new gravitas. There's going to be it's going to be the Roman um, Jerry axis versus the Shiv Tom axis. Well, is, are Shiv and Tom going to make it? Unclear to me if their marriage makes it or not. So that'll be for season three as well. Something that I'm looking forward to. The Shiv and Tom breakup. Yeah, who knows what's going to happen with that? I was very glad. I was super worried there for a minute when they walk onto the boat. And they're about to have a threesome and they find the girl that they're going to have the threesome with. I'm like, wait, this is succession. You can't have sex on succession. Don't worry. There was no sex. <laughs> there was, I was like, she didn't want to think no it was going to happen. Did you? I was like, how would they? I mean, they, and, but yeah, no. And then that amazing scene where Tom just like sort of. I'm not a hippie. I'm not a hippie. <laughs> also, Shiv with her phone, how she, the way she calls everything off or gets anything happening is like she just brings that phone with her. Like she goes out into the hallway to call off the threesome. <laughs> Tom's like, I can't do this. And she's like, that's fine. I had to go get something anyway. She, what does she do? Like text, text the helicopter? It's off. She makes that night. Um, yeah. What is it? The, 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 the cutting of the cutting. throat thing yeah. that she makes. She's talking to find out if the um, going private deal happened. And Tom is at the top of the water slide, which is another <laughs> hilarious thing. They're all going down that water slide. Um, and she's just like doing that knife to the throat thing. And then he does it back to her. It's like the most unsubtle situation I've ever seen. This is how rich people communicate on large boats because the boat is just Hand too signals. big. You can't just go up to someone. You have to like signal across the expanse of boat. I was wondering, I, I had thought because I did some, I read a Twitter thread about yachts. <laughs> and I was wondering, because R- Rupert Murdoch famously had, like, he fell on a yacht. He, he broke his back. And it was, like, yeah. really serious. And it, it, like, paralleled kind of the beginning of season one, where all the siblings are flown into the hospital because he was, like, right. helicoptered off the yacht. And then they all went and gathered. They thought it was his deathbed, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, is this where this is going? Is Logan going to die on this yacht? Which leads me to maybe what happens in season three. Like, at some point, Logan has to die, right? No, Logan's immortal. <laughs> Lo- Logan is immortal. <sighs> Okay. Um, well, it I comes, what are we, in like 10 months? I guess. We'll be back in 10 months. We'll be back really? in 10 months with, with season three of Succession. They, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they're writing it furiously as we speak. But until then, that's it. That's it for Succession season two. It was an awesome season. And thank you, Jesse Armstrong and all of the crew and cast and writers and directors and everyone else. And Pusha T, who did the remix of the <laughs> theme song and everyone. Yeah, thank you to um, Ed Lee for coming in. Thank you to Mara Adler for coming in. And that's it for Sleep Money Succession. Session. 
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.